Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to the third episode of the second season of the Allison Interviews podcast. So I am so excited about this guest that I have today. Stefan Macchio is the Oscar-nominated, Grammy-nominated co-writer and composer for some of the most amazing songs ever, some of my favorite songs. Miley Cyrus's hit song, Wrecking Ball. Oh my God, I can listen to that song on repeat over and over and over again. Earned it by The weekend. Amazing, from the Fifty Shades of Grey soundtrack, of course. And he is also an ongoing collaborator of Celine Dion's and just, oh my God, so many amazing artists. And what was even more incredible about this interview is that not only did we discuss Stefan's own new album, which is an instrumental album called Lionheart, which is out now, and it is so beautiful. If you're looking for music that is universal, meditative, and just makes you feel good, listen to Stefan Macchio's Lionheart album. I'm telling you, you'll thank me later. But the stories behind some of these hit songs by these iconic artists, you are not going to believe. They are really quite surprising. And the coolest thing ever is that during our interview, Stefan was sitting at his piano in his home and he would all of a sudden just like swivel his body around and just start playing these songs that are just absolutely amazing and playing them for me and I was blown away. You know, it's not that I'm not impressed with every guest that I speak to, but I have to say I was blown away. So without any further ado, sit back, relax, or do whatever it is that you do. Don't fall off the treadmill. I don't know why that's a new thing with me now. (laughs) And listen to this amazing interview with music composer Stefan Macchio. On my bucket list, one of the things that I want to do is I want to visit Niagara Falls. And when I was reading about oh my God. Jeez. you grew up in Niagara Falls on the Canadian yeah. side, right? I did. What was that like? I mean, it's just so beautiful. Like, what was that like to grow up there? It's an extraordinary part of the world. If you know where, like, I grew up in a quaint part of Niagara Falls called Niagara on the Lake. It's on the escarpment, which is the escarpment's the place where it leads up to falls themselves, the world famous falls. And, um, in that it's about an hour in 10 minutes south of toronto so we had access to the big city all the time my mother's french canadian my dad is like third generation italian living in Niagara falls and uh it, it affected a lot of my music uh growing up so close to the u.s border as well so i mean you know niagara falls is beautiful but i mean I, i'm a big wino type you know i love my wines and i grew up in sort of near the wine country of the niagara region so the escarpment creates these beautiful like valleys and and you know picturesque you know any season like fall winter summer spring it's always stunning in certain parts of canada it's so clean it's so there's lots of greenery you know the dead of winter i mean february march i can do without but i mean you know when it does snow it is it is beautiful and there's lots of trees and, and the fall is stunning as you can imagine with the, the changing of colors because we don't see that here in california right so yeah and people in california don't really get that look that the east coast gets now go, go see it i mean you know let me just hit me up and if you know if you need to know oh where, God, where to go yes. yeah i want and to take with, my whole family there and i've heard that the canadian side is actually more stunning than the New York side. It really is. <laughs> it's just, it's just, you don't want to stay on the American side. It's just a whole other thing. And just even for your view from the Canadian side, it's better. The hotels, the wine region, St. David's a little part, you know, area like 15, 20 minutes from there. It's just stunning. 
let's go on your journey. You grew up in that corner of the world. How did you get to collaborate with the kind of artists? Because you collaborated with The Weeknd, which I know you made a point of saying you guys did not meet in Canada. Wow, right? you did. Yeah, you did but, some really great research. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. You were never on the Canadian <clears throat> like you never crossed paths. So how did that collaboration come about? Maybe it helped us eventually get together, but we never met each other in Toronto. And it turns out that our studios, our respective studios, when I was living in Toronto, were seven blocks away from each other, more or less, down the street, in that real downtown hub of Toronto. So uh, when Abel is his name, when he was sort of doing his mixtapes and he was becoming underground famous prior to his, his, his explosion to the world, I had a bunch of assistant engineers at the time keep on saying, you got to get together with this guy called The Weeknd. He's got a really cool voice like Michael Jackson. And, and it was everyone you know, was loving what he was doing. And of course, he was on my radar. And uh, we just never made it happen until I moved to L.A., both of our respective managers got together for lunch in Toronto and said, listen, we got to get Stefan Macchio and we have to get, you know, Abel together and make some music. And then the rest was history. And that's how we got together. We, we got together when I was living in LA and he eventually moved to LA as well. Was it that he was already asked to do the 50 shades soundtrack and he needed someone to work with him on a song or how did, how did the song earned it come about? That song was wild. He, it was, again, great story because he was already asked to do something for the soundtrack. And mm -hmm. so was I, just serendipitous. And oh, I wow. had, before Earned It was written, I had the end credit song called I Know You that I wrote with Skylar Gray. And then eventually when Abel and I got together with um, Dehila, his, his also his, his, co his other co-producer and writing partner, and in Belly, we, uh, the four of us wrote Earned It. And of course, that obliterated my song to second spot. Yeah. <laughs> so I had, the, I had the two uncredited songs in Fifty Shades, which was really cool. But it didn't obliterate it because it was, I'm, just, I'm not even saying it's a better song. It's, you know, I, I know you was a great song. It's because Sam Taylor Johnson, the director, uh, decided to change the ending of the first sequence of Fifty Shades to a different ending, which he needed a male, you know, the I Know You was sung by Skylar. She's a female. And we needed a male sort of R&B, James Brown sort of Al Green type of song. And uh, then, you know, we did Earned It and the rest is history. And it just kind of blew up from there. So you're an instrumental artist because I've listened to your, your music from your albums. When you work with a vocalist, are you the composer and they're writing the lyrics or do you write lyrics as well? I do, but I don't write as many lyrics. I mean, you know, they just don't come as fast. Music comes out of my fingers, it just bleeds. It's just I have so much music in, in, in me so and, awesome. you know, and it's that's the easy thing for me so i have the privilege of getting together with some of the greatest singers in the world right you know celine miley the weekend and oftentimes especially with abel he does write uh, his own music and collaborates with producers like me and that's how it happens so your part is the -na 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 -na. like yeah, that's your I'm, part it's I, it's, it's like, like it's, it's, it's terrible pitch <laughs> I mean, like it's like a waltz song. Yeah. But you know what people don't realize is that <clears throat> lyrics will shape melody as well. Okay. So a word can shape it. So I we don't even divide it that way anymore. But what I often will do, for example, like in a song like earned it, is create a, a bass and uh, so and then. 
So, and then, you know, you make it feel like it's magic. And then they come in, they write their lyric and, and, and it shapes the, the, the melody and as it, well. So. And then it kind of, because I think people would be curious to know is in a situation like this, is it able kind of, singing his lyrics while you're playing the melody and it's like, Oh yeah, that works together. Okay, great. Let's do that. Is it, is it kind of like that? It, it pretty well is. I mean, you know, he, he had a lot, he even had like an idea of this and I just sort of expanded on it, him and Dahila, like when they came to my studio, but that whole string element that, that you hear at the beginning was something I just do in my sleep. Right. I just, you know, and then I was kind of mocking it up on my piano, the, 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 dun, dun. God. And he just, him and Dehila went, oh my God, that is amazing. Record that. And wow. that became a sort of foundation of the, of the track. And then we, you know, once we saw the movie, in order to be, you know, to qualify for Academy Awards, you kind of have to see the movie and then write the song according to what you saw. We okay. completed we completed the song and the lyric and, and the arrangement and stuff like that. So, and it was nominated for an Oscar? It was. Yeah, we performed it too, which was exciting. It was a, it was a, such an incredible experience. I mean, you know, it's not just the nomination, but just the whole week and a half leading up to the Oscars and the luncheon and performing. Well, the luncheon, the you can't miss the luncheon. <laughs> no, the luncheon, people don't realize that sometimes the luncheon, it could be even more powerful and more exciting than, than the actual, no, <laughs> than the actual Oscars. <laughs> so let's talk about the song Wrecking Ball, because right. I would listen to that. I could like binge that song. I could listen to it over and over and over because it's, it's powerful. You know, it's like, everybody's had that th those raw feelings of wanting to make a relationship work, but it doesn't and it's heartbreaking and it, there's just so much raw emotion in that song. So tell me how, tell me how that came together and tell me how you and Miley collaborated on that song. You know, it's funny. I never really met Miley until after that one. That was the song that I got in a room with uh, two inc other incredible songwriters. Myself, there was myself, Mozilla, and mm -hmm. uh, she's a female and Sasha. He's a male. And we never met before the three of us and we came into a room and, you know, and all of a sudden we, we just, so the, the first thing that was kind of humming around was, but what people don't know is Mozella had been going through, she was supposed to get married that week and decided that it just, it wasn't, didn't feel right. And so she came to the session fragile and, you know, and, and down and broken with a lot of courage and bravery. She, she showed up. Because oftentimes what we would typically do in a, in a week like that or for a month, we'd wallow or just kind of like sit in our misery and sit in bed. And she just somehow felt that she kind of needed to sort of change things up, write some songs, you know, just not, not think about how hurt and upset she was. And, yeah. and you know, she came in such a state um, that that song, uh, the lyric, which was certainly driven yeah, we all we all like wrote the song, the melody, the top line, and stuff like that together. But she certainly drove a, a, that lyric of that song with her story, and you know, uh, and it's you know, it's a real story. And then after we wrote the song that that day, we demoed it the next day, which was amazing. I just did a recording, just myself at the piano, Mozella singing it, and she says, "Do you guys mind? I'm going to be seeing Miley in a couple of weeks. Do you mind if I pass the song along to her? The rest is history." And then. You know, that so song that's happened. interesting because mo most people, including myself, thought that Miley wrote the lyrics about her relationship with. Of course, Henry. that's that was that was the one in a million shot. It, it rarely that's happens like that. So Miley is a phenomenal writer herself, um, mm -hmm. but that's that song was really and truly written with the three of us, and it resonated with Miley, and it, it was amazing that she had. 
Because a lot of artists would sometimes say, I don't want to get, I don't want to do it because I didn't write the song. But, you know, just, there was so much truth to what Mozilla was going through and how it, you know, that's how universal that theme is in Wrecking Ball. What's the name of, of the writer again? What's her Mozilla. name? Mozilla. Her real name is Maureen McDonald, but she goes by okay. Mozilla, M O Z E L L A. Okay. And then Sasha Scarbeck as well. But so she, she passed along and, and because, as you said, she was going through her breakup at the time, uh, mm-hmm. Miley says, I got to record the song. And then yeah. she recorded the song and, you know, they end up using my piano and Dr. Luke produces it. And, and yeah. then she does provocative video, which, you know, was a big part of it. I mean, you know, Miley was going through a lot of personal growth, wanting to sort of break up from her sort of Disney days and become the artist that she is now, which was an right. important move. It's, it was an important move for her to do what she did. And, you know, we, we all, all of us, the song helped Miley, the song helped my career. It helped. It was just a win-win for everybody. You just brought up a very explosive name, Dr. Luke. I don't know if you want to, cause I, 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 you kind of like said it in passing. I mean, it, it, what is the overall consensus about him in the industry right now? I have no idea, so I, I can't comment on it anymore. Yeah, yeah it, okay. it, it's not it's, it's not even like me not wanting to comment. I just I've known I've learned um, that you know as a producer, uh, he's certainly highly respected with his, with regards to his skills. To be right. very clear, with what it went down, um, it would be unjust for me to sort of comment on something that I'm really uneducated on. And okay. you know, no, no. And the irony, though, Allison, is that the the music industry is just such a it's full of so many pitfalls and a lot of things. And, and I, I've got to be careful in how I say this, but because I work with some of the biggest superstars in the world, and I'm not, I'm not insinuating the ones I work with, but I've just seen so much is manipulated to create something that sometimes is not fully truthful, you know, but, but that's what pop art is, right? We, we create a yeah. painting. And it's not truly us. Instagram is not truly us. It's, it's our, it's our highlight reel. It's, it's the best part of our lives, but are we showing when our kids are in pain and they need us, they're most, they're crying and you're, you're exhausted and you just want to punch a wall sometimes. I don't know how I just, I, I digress for a second, but that, which we'll get into in a second, but I kind of took a break from doing pop music for a minute and came back to my roots to do this beautiful piano calming music as well. Mm-hmm. But, but, you know, so back to Luke, I mean, all I can say is that, you know, he, he truly is, you know, a force to be reckoned with when it comes to music, but, um, but the rest is who knows? I mean, God. <laughs> do you think that young female artists, generally speaking, get the respect that they deserve when, when they're working intimately with writers, producers, composers, where there is like that professional respect. Yeah. Generally speaking, no, I still think they're, they're, they're completely at a disadvantage with me. I think they are because I have tremendous respect with female writers. Some of my greatest successes have come with working with Mozella. I mean, you know, Skylar Gray, incredible talent, which happened to be female. I mean, I couldn't, imagine what it'd be like to be even in 2021 um, a female getting into a room specifically with certain genres of music which sometimes can be a little more male dominant still i mean there's things are certainly better but i feel i'll still feel like a you know a fake even trying to talk on behalf of women and how they feel going into a situation for with, with that is just male dominated um yeah just an interesting study, though, as, as you think about the great albums, some of the great albums like of our time, Tapestry by Carol King, Jagged Little Pill by Alanis Morissette, 21 by Adele. Some of those are some of the, the greatest albums of all time. And they're by 
scorned or women or, or who gone through break who went through breakups. And there's been science to prove to prove that part of the success is that women respond to female art in that way as well. And I find that very fascinating. It's um, but you know I'm also I was raised by a mom primarily by a mom and okay. and yeah my parents you know divorced when I was 13 years old my dad is a, is a great man he's he's alive and 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 I'm not saying I, you know he was certainly and still is a uh, you know a huge part of my life but uh, as i see mothers and single mothers i have tremendous respect for them tremendous Listen, <laughs> i mean uh, and you're one of them so that's why i have you know i have such admiration you know my mom raised my brother and I, two boys, and and she, you know, she's a French-speaking woman in an English-speaking part of the country. So wow. she had her own challenges. So so anyhow, I don't again don't mean to digress, but but you know the the female aspect in the industry is certainly something that I, th- I think we're making a positive stride and, and, and okay. change towards. But I still believe there's lots, lots, lots of the progress needed to to get done still. So speaking of uh, French Canadian, I I hope this is a good segue. Celine Dion, she is French Canadian, correct? She is. She is. Okay. So tell me about, because I did see a lot, uh, I saw some pictures of the collaboration. Tell me about what you worked on with her and any story behind that. Celine, do you say a treasure in Canada for people who don't don't know that? And I'm French Canadian as well. And we go back 20 plus years. I've written a handful of songs and produced a handful of songs for Celine as well. But my first big hit ever, my first international hit was with Celine, a song called A New Day Has Come. And mm-hmm. you know, it was a, a song that changed my life as a songwriter. I, I was in my 20s when I wrote that. It was her first comeback song after she took a sabbatical of a couple of years to give birth to her first child. And um, that song became the title of her Vegas show. And um, the be- there's a beautiful story, though. I met Celine. You know, I wrote that song like in my mid to late 20s, but going back when I was, you know, 17, 18 years old in university, I met her almost 10 years prior. And I said to her, one day I'm going to write you a hit song. And she's just like, she's so gracious. She's like, oh, okay, bye-bye, bye for now. But I said, Celine, please can I have a photo with you? And and then I had the opportunity to write A New Day Has Come almost a decade later. And I, I wrote it and sent it to Celine um, and her manager um, and you know, they called us back and Celine said, this song is unbelievable. And, and that's a beautiful story on how sometimes you could visualize your dreams and really yes. go for it. So yes. the story gets better with Celine though, is that, you know, that, that, that certainly put me on the map as, as an international songwriter, but, and then of course I went on to write the Olympic theme for, for Canada and a plethora mm-hmm. you know, of other things, you know, Sarah Brightman, Josh Groban, just artists that continue to just shape me and change my life. And I moved to LA eventually in 2013 and, and I had a huge string of successes there with Miley in the weekend. And I got a call from Celine again, when she was ready to do an album, an English speaking album just a few years ago. And she asked me to produce, you know, a good, a good part of that album and write. And it was, so we've been working together for 20 years. I'm up 48 now. Wow. So. so that's an ongoing collaboration. That's awesome. Ongoing. She's one of the hardest working. She's certainly of all the artists I've worked with, at that level mm-hmm. and no disrespect to anybody. She's just, she still wants it more than anybody. Wow. And the hunger is still there. The hunger is still there. And, you know, it's there with Abel as well. Don't get me wrong. I, I don't know Miley that well. I, I can't, but I, you know, you can tell Miley, you know, she's, she's definitely an incredible student of pop culture, but you know, Celine's work ethic, you know, she'll get in the studio at 6 PM and she won't get off that microphone until it's done at 5 AM. 
sometimes she's there for 12, 12 hours. She doesn't need to be. She's literally one of the greatest singers in the world, but, but she certainly just is driven to, to making sure that the emotion is communicated on record. So. Yeah. Awesome. Firstly, I want to thank Athletic Greens for sponsoring this podcast. Athletic Greens has a product called AG1 that I have been using literally every morning. When I start my morning with AG1 drink first thing before my coffee or my morning smoothie, it's a whole different ballgame. So I wake up in the morning. As soon as I get down to the kitchen, I put in a scoop of AG1 into my water. I stir it up. I drink it down. It's a few seconds out of my morning and I just feel so much more energetic than I did before. I get 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens all in one drink. I feel like I'm starting my day on the right foot. And it's a good feeling to know that you're starting your day by being kind to yourself. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews. It's recommended by professional athletes, and I respect their company values. Athletic Greens is a climate-neutral certified company. They also stay on the cutting edge of nutritional research, which is super important to me. AG1 is the single greatest thing you can do for your body in under 60 seconds. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash Allison Interviews. Again, it's athleticgreens.com forward slash Allison Interviews to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Firstly, I want to thank Athletic Greens for sponsoring this podcast. Athletic Greens has a product called AG1 that I have been using literally every morning. When I start my morning with AG1 drink first thing before my coffee or my morning smoothie, it's a whole different ballgame. So I wake up in the morning. As soon as I get down to the kitchen, I put in a scoop of AG1 into my water. I stir it up. I drink it down. It's a few seconds out of my morning and I just feel so much more energetic than I did before. I get 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens all in one drink. I feel like I'm starting my day on the right foot. And it's a good feeling to know that you're starting your day by being kind to yourself. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews. It's recommended by professional athletes, and I respect their company values. Athletic Greens is a climate-neutral certified company. They also stay on the cutting edge of nutritional research, which is super important to me. AG1 is the single greatest thing you can do for your body in under 60 seconds. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash Allison Interviews. Again, it's athleticgreens.com forward slash Allison Interviews to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So your album Tales of Solace came out last year in 2020? Yes. Okay. And it it did extraordinarily well. I mean, I was looking at screens and everything. Do you think that it was just a perfect time for people need because I, I listen to I also listen to Lionheart, which we'll discuss in, in okay. a minute. But <laughs> your music is it's calming, it's meditative, it's instrumental, and it's the dominant uh, instrument is piano. 
Yes. And do you think that it, it was something that people really needed to just kind of center themselves, especially last year? That's exactly it, Alison. Um, I wrote that pre-pandemic, but like it was, I was writing it because I was needing to come back to just the basics. And, you know, before the world shut down, I felt like, you know, my life was complicated. It was big living in LA and I was going through a lot of personal changes. So I, I wrote Tales of Solace so that when it was released shortly after the world shut down, so people thought it was the pandemic album, the, the quiet album. Yeah. The serene album, the friend friend that you needed. But that sometimes is a perfect collision of the beautiful storm of the time. That's what happens with great successes is that there's a need for this. And I just happened to be ready and prepared with that album. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it it came from a genuine place. You know, I was doing it just to serve my own emotional needs. I needed a break from, you know, the, the, the madness of just always trying to chase the charts and all that kind of stuff, which is exciting. But I just felt it was time to make, you know, hard right turn and go into it back to my, my roots, which was the piano, like you said. So it's just, it's, that's, and that's why I think it also did well because there's no lyrics to it. These albums that I do at the piano are meant to be meditative, peaceful, and just bring you introspection and just time to reflect and be with yourself. So, and, and by virtue of not having lyrics, it crosses, transcends cultures more. Interesting. Because you're not, you know, you're not dealing with language. You're just dealing with music, which is Jeez. the most, the most universal music, the language in the world is music. Yes. I so, never thought of it like that. Yeah. So that's, that's why, right. like, I, I've got fans in every corner of the world with the piano music, which is amazing. You know, the people don't realize it. I, people already know my music through Celine and The Weeknd and billions of people have heard it, but... But the piano music just has a way of cutting through differently because, you know, you're not paying attention to words. You're just paying attention to emotion. Yeah, absolutely. So. And your new album that's about to come out, it's it's so interesting that it's called Lionheart because I, this is so corny, but the phrase Lionheart resonates with me because I've always said, because I'm only like 5'3", you know, and oh, I'm you female are. And, and I look like this just like cute woman, but I've oh. always said I have the heart of a lion. Because I just have like this other side to me, you know, and there's just something about that that resonates with me. And I read what you said about it, that there's something that just resonated with you. Can you go into that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, you know, I I proudly state my age oftentimes because I think age is wisdom. If you listen to yourself uh, enough, I've been going through a lot of personal growth over the last five years myself. And, you know, it, it comes a point in your in your life where one of my stretches, as I will call it, was I was, up until a few years ago, I was always somebody who tried to please others a lot. And that doesn't get you everywhere all the time. You know, if you're just kind of trying to like bend to make other people happy, but you sort of forego your own moral compass at times, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. So, with Lionheart, for example, I just found I, there was the piece called Lionheart on the album that's being released this Friday, had a nobility to it. And I was looking, I was looking for like a word uh, or perhaps the name of a famous knight. And I came across Joan of Arc. And I love Joan of Arc because my grandmother in Quebec, is, her name is Joan of Arc in French, Jeanne d'Arc. And beside the name, it said she's, you know, she's Lionhearted. I was like, interesting. I never really saw that word before. And to your point, it just means bravery and determination. And it really summed up exactly where I am in life. I no longer 
I'm not going to say care, I, but opinions of other people don't bother me anymore. They don't affect what I know to be the truth or what I know to be what I need to do. I mean, I have, you know, a voice of myself, even in music, it's important. It was important for me to find it in order to come at people with this piano music and say that it is extraordinary piano music. If you love piano music, if you love instrumental music, I promise you, I put, I've put so much love into these albums. I, I don't just whip them up in, you know, in two days. I spend sometimes up to two months recording 40 hours of piano music and I listen to the best stuff that's the most honest and most emotive. And that's why I think these these, these albums are, are resonating with people, you know, hundreds and hundreds of millions of streams later, which is hugely impressive for a piano album. So anyway, Lionheart is a, a special word and just kind of right now at, at this point in my life, it, it just encapsulates everything that I am. If you and don't mind me asking, how old are you? 48. Yeah. 48. Okay. I'm yeah. 47. I've been listening to a lot of spiritual leaders who have said something very, very interesting because I don't think a lot of us think of age in really the right way. There, there have been so many wise people who have said recently that you really don't reach the stage of adulthood until about the age of 40, that before that you are still in some ways very much a child. And then when you reach the age of 50, like 49, 50, you really kind of come into your own because that is the stage of life where energetically you kind of shift from being concerned with what, how other people see you to really letting go like of a oh, lot of that. You make this spiritual energetic shift as you reach 40 to that's, really let go of the shoulds and what other people think. Then yeah. that's exactly what's happened to me through my forties, mm-hmm. especially in the last few years, as I, as I, as I get towards 50, which is crazy to think that it's, <laughs> uh, I'm a year, a year and a bit away from that, but there is a metamorphosis. That's like literally a, a sea change in my life. And, and people will mis- sometimes on the surface level will mistake that for ego or selfishness. It's actually the opposite. It's benevolence. It's when, when you do know exactly who you are, then your true gifts that you have mm-hmm. to offer this world. Just you able to give more to people. It sounds all cliche, but as soon as you accept that and you, you learn the ability to say no or no thank you, not right now. And, and just because you know that it infringes on your ability to give back your true powers to the world, your true energy. Again, I really, I've seen it with all the great artists I've worked with, whether it's, you know, whether it's with Abel um, and Celine, because Celine is truly who she is. Sometimes people will get sometimes irritated by happy people because they're irritated yeah. by the fact that these people have found their, their thing, their calling. And, yeah. but for the most part, you know, when those, those people are, and I, I hope that I'm becoming now one of those through my, through my piano music who can transform or at least shape lives differently through something great through, for, for example, with me, through my fingers and through my art and at the piano. So, but that, that's, that's uh, thank you for sharing that because that's, that makes a lot of sense in terms of mm-hmm. where we are. We're clearly roughly the same age. Do you feel that yeah. as well, Allison? It's interesting, but I've always been very strong in believing that I could accomplish anything, right? So that's that's one of the things that has always come easy for me, right? That, and I think it's kind of like what you what you just said. Someone who who understands their calling and who feels like you know what I can I can do that. You know that that's always been who I am. But I think caring what other people think I'm still on that journey I'm still kind of like trying to get there and I'm hoping that maybe in the next few years I will arrive but we'll see 
But, you know, if it helps, I always, you know, I have a very strong mom as well. Again, again, back to my reverence for women and strong females. If you think of it like you're driving a ship and you're literally responsible, like if you're driving, you're, you're the director of the Titanic or a big plane, for example, like this Boeing 747, you've got five, 600 people on board. You know more than most of those people on board how to get through the the bad air, the, the thunderstorms. And when you hit those thunderstorms, you have to listen to your instinct because you're going to bring those people to safe harbor, to you know, to, to safety. If you listen to somebody else in you know row 47B saying, just put the brakes on, but you know that's not what to do, you're going to crash that plane. And, and when I look at metaphorically, if I look at my life like that, I now know, it's because I've been playing the piano since I was three years old. I now know what I'm capable of doing at the instrument. You know, you know how many times people said, what do you, you know, why do you want to do a piano album when you can write pop hits? Well, I said, as a matter of fact, it's actually, I'm the happiest I've ever been. And now that I'm doing it, it's clearly working. You know, like I said, you know, 400 plus million streams later with piano music is, is huge. And it means that something is, is resonating, but absolutely. You know what you're capable of doing. It's up to you to to put your foot down or not and set mm-hmm. those boundaries. That's that's all I'm trying to say. And that's what I'm trying to help people with as well. That's mm-hmm. sort of my new mission in life. Yeah. That's certainly how I'm you know, even with you know parameters. I'm trying trying to raise my kids in this really, really difficult age of technology and social media. Yes. Yeah, I've got a I've got a daughter who's just, you know, so smart. 15 year old, but, um, you know, she's got her phone and she's so obsessed by it as well. It's, it's, uh, yeah. it's a dangerous weapon. So. It is what they, what they're holding in their hands at such an impressionable right. age when their prefrontal cortex is not even fully developed yet. It's, um, yeah, it's and, up to yeah. us to help navigate that. And comparing sure. your life to what they see is just still doesn't make that much sense. And it's, it's, uh, and also, I mean, as you know, it's never stops. It's full time. And, and <laughs> yeah, trust me, <laughs> I know. I know I do what I call a phone sweep. So I'll just burst into my son's room and I'll say phone sweep like he's in prison and I'm doing like a, a cell check. <laughs> like, oh, that's good. That's good. I just take the phone and I just, I start wow. going through it. And then at one point, because he's now, you know, he's getting bigger now. There was one time I go in there and I'm like phone sweep. I go to grab the phone and he grabs the other end of it. And we're doing like a tug of war. And I'm like, shit, like he's just as strong as me now. So of course, like, now I, do it when he was asleep. I did it when he was asleep. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> hey, you yeah. know what? You got to do what you got to do. <laughs> you have to do. I love that. Oh, sweet. <laughs> okay. So with Lionheart, I had a chance to listen to some of the tracks, but tell me like the emotional arc that the album takes you through. Uh, thank you. It's, it's it, what's, what's wild is that Lionheart was truly written and composed during the pandemic. So there was kind of feeling last year when we were all sitting there, the world was shut down. None of us had gone through that. Like, it's like, mm-hmm. what the hell is happening to us as a world, right? So I, I was locked in my studio in Santa Monica for, say, six, seven weeks, just kind of recording all these beautiful melodies on Lionheart. And, and there was a sense of, for me, rebirth, like a renaissance, like a new world. Like we are like, when we look back at the history books, this will be another renaissance, for better or for worse. We've, yeah. the, the, the pandemic has reshaped our values, has reshaped us as humans, has reshaped the political system, has reshaped so much in life. It, it, so it reshaped my music. It's still Stefan Macchio playing, but I mean, I know that, you know, for example, when I wrote this album, even though there are still some really dark introspective moments, because I think that's necessary for everything, but the, the melodies, uh, I intentionally used my pop skills as a producer on this one and really 
treated these these 14 songs like pop songs, like there's the verse, there's the pre-chorus, there's the chorus, there's a bridge on most of them. And for the most part, they're hopeful. And there's a sense of rebirth. Whereas Tales of Solace was, you know, a lone man. And I, I'm really, as, as much as we're talking about female emotions today and we're aware of them and cancel culture, I think it's, it's as important to now talk about men as well and their emotions and how they're we're being feeling we're reacting to all of this going on because there are still some amazing men in this world you know oh, not, yeah, yeah no and and sometimes the overwhelming feeling is how I go is this an attack on the sexes but but I'm, i and i come back to me as a male artist because i am well aware that i'm a very emotive man i, I cry and uh, I cry perhaps more than the average man. And, and I, you know, even translating that and hopefully conveying that to my son, who's 10, I want him to be able to cry. I don't want him to hold that in. So, you know, I'm, again, I'm learning. Uh, I continue to learn and I will till the day I die. But it's just Lionheart and these piano albums are so cathartic to me. They, you know, I have to get in a room by myself. It's not like a singer who's there and there's a producer behind the console. And sometimes there's a band or other musicians you're left alone with your thoughts with, with just in this instrument. So you, you are sort of having a conversation with this instrument and telling her or him, whatever, however you see the piano, every, everything that, you know, you, you're exposing yourself. This is the vulnerability. That's, that's beautiful. That's uh, that I really enjoy. That is my biggest therapy is playing the piano. I would absolutely imagine. I mean, I love how while during our conversation, you would turn around and start playing like that is, if that is not the most like authentic expression of self, <laughs> that is, that is awesome. um, <laughs> where do you believe this ability slash talent slash therapy and form of self-expression? Where do you believe it comes from? Do you think that it comes from God? Do you think it comes from the mind do you think it comes from the heart where do you think this like gets channeled from do you okay just to be clear do you are you asking where mind comes from or or just us as humans in general um well i guess i suppose i'm asking both but i would say in in your case with your ability the way you said it's it's just like breathing for you and these melodies just come to you where do you think that comes from no no that's 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 a great question because i just i could talk to you that for an hour I'll answer where it comes from for me, first of all. I know I came from, like I said, a very open household. Both parents are, are phenomenal and great speakers. My mom in particular, and I come from a family of pianists. So number one, I've had to learn my craft my entire life. So now I've been at it for 40 plus years. So I know how to communicate on the instrument. So when I have a feeling, I can get that feeling from my head to my heart, out to my fingers and play exactly what I want to play, like chord-wise or or melody wise. And the fact that I was raised in an environment where it was important to talk about your emotions, that yeah. was really critical. I mean, you know, just, just not just because sometimes I see other families, sometimes there's people kind of just are afraid to get into the real hot topics of life and emotions. And I wasn't raised that way. And I'm glad I wasn't, but you know, I also feel sad when I see friends of mine who, who don't have the ability to to really get deep and roll up your sleeves and sit through the pain of life uh, because, you know, there's, there's so much beauty, but there's so much sadness that we all experience in, in life. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, and I just chose to finally, I think as it's, there's cathartic, but it's also the coming of age. I'm 48. I'm well equipped at my instrument. I'm able to communicate now properly. 
exactly my emotions. So it's working, but we're humans. So to the human side of it, if anything, the pandemic's taught us is that we do need people. And the pandemic has forced us to go back into our relationships, our personal relationships in life, to confront things for better or for worse. I, you know, I think, you know, some people realize how much they love family and some people realize how much they don't like certain people as well, because, you know, you're forced to live with them in these challenging times that you know, at the end of the day, we're still, there's so much fighting against our human qualities, you know, the industries that are trying to reduce the amount of people working, but you and I on a Zoom, I, you know, I'd much rather be in a room with you, Allison, you know, but, but I mean, this is the best that 2021 can offer us in a pandemic, you know, still there's some pluses with technology, but I certainly as an artist, I miss that live performance and thank God I'm you know, going to be performing in 2020, you know, as musicians, we love to see, smell, feel people. People right. love going to concerts because they love being together. I, I, I'm digressing, but I, I think we all have, you know, this need to communicate. I mean, the fact that now everybody can with a device, you know, there's yes. social media, it's harmful sometimes because people can hide behind that and that's not healthy. Yeah. But if you're willing to put your face and your real name out there and say what you really mean, then I think you're uh, really an evolved human. It's probably the best way of saying it. And then that takes a lot of courage and that takes a lot of, of just, just going through hard times and learning how to talk better. So I hope that helps. No, that does help. In fact, it, it's so interesting because I recently, I went, recently went through a breakup and what precipitated the breakup was a conversation that it degraded, right? Like it, it kind of just kind of like went like this. Okay. And the words that were exchanged were exchanged mainly over text and telephone. And wow. through the last month that I've been processing all of this, the one thought that that rose to the front of my consciousness is that neither me nor the other party would have said any of the things that were said had we been in the same room, sharing the same energy face wow. to face. Of course, that's interesting. And that taught me a huge, I didn't just learn the power of words because that was a huge lesson to learn that words can injure or heal. But the fact that would you say this to somebody if you were in the same room with them? No. Well, then don't say it. A hundred percent. Or would you say yeah. it at least differently with or a little would more you compassion? Say it would you say it differently? Yeah. Because when right. you're, when you're face to face with another human being and you're looking in their eyes and you're sharing that energetic field, somehow it, it softens the edges. Right. And all of a sudden your humanity like comes forward. Of course. More. And that is the danger of devices for sure. You know, there, there's good and bad. Yeah, it's, it has perpetuated so many questions and we're seeing it now. I mean, you know, it's, I think we're starting to normalize and the good, bad and ugly parts of all of it are finally being exposed. And hopefully in, you know, 20 years from now, we're still healthy and alive and we can see progress and hopefully just, you know, maximize just the positive sides of the technology more than the negative sides of it, as you mentioned, Absolutely. because it does concern me when people hide behind and troll and it's, it's dangerous. You know, I, I, I can't, I can't read too, too. I mean, well, it's nothing really nothing for me to read. Everyone loves piano music. And so I, I you know 99% of my comments are like, <laughs> I love your say? music. It's gorgeous. <laughs> it's, it's beautiful. But, but I mean, I'm just, I guess I'm talking about celebrity culture and, and, you know, yeah. and how they must be misunderstood a lot of times because they just don't know. Everyone has a story. Everyone yeah. does. And everyone and, uh, has a story. You can't judge someone without knowing their whole story. You can't. No, and, you can't. and do we even know anybody's whole story? So maybe you just can't judge, period. You know? We think we do. 
I, I don't know if it was Brene Brown, but it's, it was Brene, but it's a great quote. It's just, it's important. It's, I'm paraphrasing it, but it's important to lean in because it's, you can't hate people as much when you are closer to them and then you mm-hmm. start to understand. Yeah. And, and I love that so, so much because the veneer of just seeing somebody on a, on a phone, we think we know their lives and we, we may not like their personality, <laughs> who knows, but there's a reason <laughs> why they're acting that way. And it may not be their fault all the time. It, it could be just the way that they were raised. And, yeah. you know, so. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I want to end this by saying that, yeah, I think that the gifts that you're giving to the world and this new album, Lionheart, for anybody who loves just peaceful, tranquil, meditative music that can be translated throughout the world because it doesn't have to be translated because it's instrumental, definitely stream it and listen to it. And it's out October 15th. Correct. Correct. Perfect. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you all. so much. This was amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Thanks, well, Stephen. we'll talk to you when you uh, you're going to Niagara Falls. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Bye. Bye, Alice. So, what did you guys think of Stefan Macchio? I mean, were you like just totally blown away and impressed as I was? I mean, the stories behind these songs are amazing. Like the Miley Cyrus story behind Wrecking Ball. I was floored that it was actually one of the songwriters that worked in their team that went through this horrific breakup and actually was inspired to write the lyrics to those songs. And then it just so happened that Miley went through her breakup with Liam Hemsworth and totally connected to the song and ended up wanting to be a part of it. And it was just this career changing song that really shot her out of that whole Disney mold and really made her arrive as an adult artist. So yeah, that was, that was awesome. That was awesome. So anyway, if you liked the interview, please, please, please subscribe to this podcast. Leave me a review. Let me know what you think. I love hearing from you guys. And until next time, peace. Peace.